0: Most people are aware of their own financial balance sheet. As soon as we buy our first car or house, we become aware of it. If you're of a certain personality type, you may track it quite a bit. But I'd submit to you that we're also unconsciously aware of another balance sheet. And this one is sometimes tricky to measure and even harder to manage. Sometimes we often find it hard to put into words. But it's real nonetheless. I call this our intangible balance sheet. What I mean by this are those life principles, experiences, memories, and stories that given any amount of money, we wouldn't trade. They're the memories that bring tears of joy to our faces because we simply can't imagine life without them. We feel fortunate to have had them. It could be our first jobs, proposals, wedding days, births, struggles, anxieties, or fears, and maybe even some hindsight. It's all those things that melt into a memory, that bring a distant stare to our face, and maybe even a smile. We feel lucky to have had them because they're what has made us, us. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the intangible balance sheet. It's those moments in life that may be financially irrational, but which are indispensable parts of who we are. So these episodes are focused on the stories that bring us joy, happiness, fulfillment, And ultimately, may hold necessary keys that will direct the future for our family, friends, and maybe even neighbors. So listen in with us as we discover some of those stories that are meaningful to our guests. And maybe you'll even uncover hidden value on your own intangible balance sheet. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom and Wealth podcast. I'm Josh Clues, the Senior Wealth Planner for Carson Wealth here in the Woodlands, Texas. Today is another of our intangible balance sheet series for our weekend edition of the podcast. Um, and I'm excited to welcome Jim Crump to the podcast. Jim, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing a little bit more of what's on your intangible balance sheet.
1: Fantastic. Glad to be here. Look forward to the conversation.
0: Excellent. And for the, those that are newer to the, uh, to the podcast of what we do, um, we believe in a thing called an intangible balance sheet. Um, And the reason we call it intangible is because you can't quantify it. Uh, Our life's principles, our first principles, um, and specifically the stories that bring those first principles to life are what this podcast um, exists for. And it might even be some of the first principles of our family and family stories along the way. But before we dive into that, Jim, could you give our audience just a a brief introduction to yourself personally before we jump into, um, the intangible balance sheet portion.
1: Sure. Be glad to, uh, I am, uh, I'm a resident of LaGrange, Georgia. We're, uh, an Atlanta suburb, about 45, 50 miles Southwest of the Atlanta airport. So I can get to the airport quicker than most people who live on the North side of Atlanta. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful to have an easier commute than they do. Um, I am uh, married wonderful lovely wife coming up on our 29th anniversary and uh, between us we have four kids four grandkids uh, luckily they're all within driving distance here in the Georgia Alabama area um, I am uh, I'm a health insurance agent we have a small uh, brokerage firm based here in Lagrange Georgia we work across 33 states in our country and uh, between my wife and myself, we represent uh, in excess of thirty different companies for health, dental, and vision for the under sixty-five market.
0: Excellent. That is that is so cool. Uh, the fact that you have your entire family within driving distance is is a gift. How did you plan that? Like how did, how did you manage yes. to do that? <laughs> Yeah, to think that I
1: have control over anything in my life—that's that's that's just a fallacy. Uh, We're we're very lucky that uh, the kids have decided to to settle close by. Uh, One one child and two grandparents and two grandchildren rather are about uh, forty-five minutes away. The uh, other three kids and two other grandkids, unfortunately, are on the other side of Georgia, which sounds like a small distance. until you drive four and a half hours to get there. Okay.
0: So yeah, yeah but so, Savannah so Georgia is
1: not that yeah. far away.
0: Yeah, I I can understand that. Then that that's still pretty pretty unique though, um, and Savannah is a nice place to, to to visit too as well. So much history there. Um, but Jim, one of the ways that we jump into the kind of the the uh, first portion is sometimes I found that there are stories that are on our you know, about our grandparents and and our family lineage that kind of live on through us. Are there any stories, does that resonate on your side of the family at all? Are there any stories Mm -hmm. that about your grandparents or even parents that you bring forward to today and want to pass on to your kids and grandkids?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Maybe it's not as much the individual stories as it is the attributes of their life. You know, Mm -hmm. my my mom's dad was... uh, uh, in the military, World War II, under Eisenhower in France, and um, his love of country, his dedication to uh, whatever causes our country stood behind his uh, dedication to duty, to God, uh, certainly transferred uh, to to the next generations. Um, he was an electrician and uh, graduate of Georgia Tech, electrical engineer, and. Um, Ultimately, he helped people in the community with electrical problems in a small central Georgia town uh, and would very often help those with no money and not charge them anything just because it was the right thing to do. And I think mm-hmm. those types of things that we got from him, you know, growing up on the back, you know, coming through the Depression, you know, the conservatism of that time, the uh, you know, fiscally conservative times as well as socially conservative times that transferred down through my parents and on to me and hopefully I've done an okay job of uh, holding that line as uh, as my kids are growing up and eventually grandkids, et cetera.
0: And in that time frame, the an electrical problem could be catastrophic, right? I would imagine. Um, yeah. so that you know it was primary way of loving your neighbor so that no one got killed. Um, literally, uh, I, I can imagine what, you know, knowing what he knew, how could you not help them at, at that point? Just because probably drive him nuts if, if he looked over problems or, or so, oh, that's not, that's somebody else's, right? right. Um, what about, um, your community growing up, are there any, I, I call them kind of, um, barbershop stories or is there a, is there a, a portion of you that you look back on and say, I got that from my local community that I grew up in yeah. and around? Yeah, there, there's several things.
1: Uh, first of all, um, uh, my life was very centered and my, my group of friends was very centered around, uh, church activities growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in church every Sunday. We were very dedicated to it. And many of the people that I, you know, rode bicycles up down the street, eventually played little league baseball or tennis or junior high and high school sports, whatever with were people that I also went to church with on Sunday. And so, um, you know, we, we, came up through a time when there was a lot of, uh, patriotism in our country. You know, we all cheered together when, uh, we landed on the moon. We all cried together when the, the shuttle exploded and, you know, mm-hmm. we, uh we were, um, uh, very tight knit, and we supported each other. But we grew up in neighborhoods where families looked after each other, where parents kept an eye on not only their kids, but the next-door neighbor's kids as well. And when something got out of hand, they picked up the phone and said, hey, you might want to know this, but, you know, I just saw your kid on his bicycle six miles from here. You know, I don't know if that's where you'd normally let him go, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So we, you know. We, we all looked after each other, and so it, it it you just felt like you were in a safe community because of that. Mm, and so, back. I think that had an impact on me in that uh, I feel a responsibility for others. Not that I it's my job to tell them what to do and what not to do, but to maybe help look out for them if I see something going awry that I can help
0: with. As you look back at your your parents, um, what attributes and and principles do you look back on and are most thankful for? Um, now that, you know, you, you, have the, the benefit of hindsight and more life experience. I think it was a couple of things. It was
1: the, um, I'm sure it's many more than that, but a couple of things come to mind. Um, uh, good ethics, you know, your word was your bond. If you told somebody you were going to do something, you did it. And if you told somebody you weren't going to do something, you didn't do it. Um, you know, ideas around fidelity in marriage, uh, ideas around always doing what is right, uh, standing up for the underdog, those types of things you know I, those uh, those were instilled in me from a very young age, and I feel that uh you know with very few exceptions, it has stuck with me through my adulthood um, you know I occasionally have been in a position in in management where I had to toe the company line, and because of that i didn't wasn't able maybe to stand up for people to the extent that I would have liked to that's ultimately what led me to leave corporate America, those types of decisions, just because, you know, I I didn't feel that they were falling in line with my own sense of ethics, Mm -hmm. what was right and what was wrong. But I I think that uh, more than anything else, it's just knowing that line between what is right and what is wrong.
0: Are there any um, specific instances that are, you know, in, implanted on your brain as far as the, the right and the wrong when you're growing up and they're they're typically like formative times or formative moments where you're like ah now i get it <laughs> are there any stories <laughs> around that at all um uh, you know there, i had a horrible incident when i
1: was about 13 years old me and another guy broke into the elementary school and rode our bikes up and down the halls we left huge skid marks all up and down the halls And we exited another door and thought nobody knew it was us until I spent the next two weeks on my hands and knees with Johnson's Pace Wax, Mm. getting the skid marks off the floor. Uh, Yeah, I I got a real strong sense of right and wrong and responsibility and accountability.
0: I'm envisioning you with like a toothbrush, you know, trying to get it off the floor. It it was more like those red
1: rags that the uh, janitors used to carry around. Okay, okay, but, but still by hand no buffers yep. just by hand yep. cleaning up all those you know 60 foot long skid marks where we you know slid the length oh. of the hall into the doorway um, and I didn't rat out my buddy it was two of us but I didn't rat him out so I did the whole thing myself <laughs> oh, so he uh, he was very thankful <laughs> and I'm very lucky I didn't end up in some sort of a juvenile detention <laughs> board but I I did pay the price
0: mm. now as you uh as you think about you know, your, your life today and, and, um, you've mentioned, you know, even to this point, you know, some of those, those themes, what are some of the beliefs and principles that are most important to you and that guide you most, uh, today?
1: It's, it's still my faith in God, my, 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 uh, my, my love of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads me day to day. Um, you know, if, if you follow the two main principles of the New Testament, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, everything else kind of falls in line. You know, people And will that's say,
0: enough. Like, that's hard enough. It, it <laughs> is, but I mean, you
1: know, people will say, well, what about the Ten Commandments? I say, well, if you'll just do those two, the Ten Commandments don't count. They, they fall right in line behind those. Those two, those mm-hmm. two kind of replace the Ten Commandments because you'll do all that other stuff right if you do those two things right. Am I perfect at it? Of course not. There was, you know, I'm I'm not a perfect person. Um, But do I try my best? Absolutely. And I think it guides all the things that I do, whether it's helping a client, whether it's uh, trying to help one of my kids or one of my grandkids understand things. It's always in light of how does it align with my faith and with my uh, underlying set of principles that blossom from that faith.
0: Hmm. So this is a little bit a little bit off topic, but not much. Was there a specific point in your life where you remember it clicked that hey, what I do at work is one of the primary ways that I love my neighbor? Oh yeah. Um, When when did that click for you? I moved from
1: sales to sales management, and I realized that as I helped the sales people who looked to me for guidance, that I was falling into that. That, posi- that position where I, here was my chance to help my neighbor to mm-hmm. be successful at what they did, that it was no longer about me being successful. It was about me making them successful and I would be taken care of accordingly. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the old line of give them all the praise, take all the blame when it goes wrong, because obviously I didn't do my part if they're not doing a good job. And as those pieces fell into place, I started to better understand the importance of, me being a servant and a servant leader to others
0: mm. now the uh, and the reason I bring that up is because you know you it's easy to go through life feeling that your life is siloed, like l- loving your neighbor is something you do you know in, in a non for profit means right like you know hey yeah. the business is just something that we do you know to to pay the bills rather than no that that is your one of your your ways of of helping others loving others, serving others right, and so uh, you know, i I remember you know it was for me it was a process as well, but um brings so much more meaning to what you do at the end of the day <laughs> um, now, when you think about um specific like stories and or life events, are there any other life events that you look back on and and kind of hang your hat on as hey th- those brought my beliefs to life? you know, it, um, from, a you know, from, from a, um, it it brings those beliefs out of kind of an intellectual exercise and Hey, I now own, I thought I believed that now I know I believe that because I had to experience it tangibly, um, in my own life. Are there, are there any instances like that that stand out for you?
1: One stands out more so than any of the others. About 10 years ago, I made the decision to step out of corporate America to Mm -hmm. basically leave the the day-to-day grind, (coughs) excuse me, of being an employee in, you know, a cog in the big machine. And the ultimate reason why I chose to leave was I felt as though I was being asked to manage people in a way that I myself would not enjoy being managed. Mm. And if it is indeed my job and my goal and, the the desire of my life to love my neighbor to quote help my sales representatives that i was responsible for managing in a way that would guide them to success and make them more successful make their life more meaningful more fulfilled whatever um if i was being forced to do And you know, forced is a strong word. I was being asked to do my style of management different than the way that I felt it needed to be done, or the way that I would want to be managed. I knew that I had to step aside. I knew I needed to step away from that corporate position and uh, do my own thing. And um, it it was it was not a difficult decision. It was a difficult transition going from you know corporate employee to suddenly I was doing quote my own thing. And um, you know I, I had never had a stint of, of being self-employed. I'd always been an employee and I've often worked from home as an employee, but I'd never run my own game, so to say, so to speak. And so uh, difficult, but at the same time, it allowed me to find fulfillment once again in what I did for a living in that not only did I set my own goals, but I allowed, I now had to hold myself accountable for achieving those goals or exceeding those goals and in doing so, I was doing it in a way that was both fulfilling for me and at the same time had a very positive impact on everybody that I came in contact with.
0: Hmm. And you know, you've mentioned it, but a big step of faith to, you know, to move out of that comfort mm-hmm. zone and, and and do that for sure. Now, the the next piece, Jim, that I, I like to always bring up is um, what some people would call like our ethical will. Uh yeah, you know, there's a big emphasis that's placed on the, the, you know, hey, who gets what tangibly and where, and, you know, that's where people often fight about it. But I've never heard of anybody uh, trying to decide who divides up the intangible piece, meaning your beliefs and your principles. And so it's, in some communities, there's, it's becoming more and more popular of, hey, there's, there's, whether it's a video or a letter that's written by, um, you know, the, the, generation one or the the preceding generation of hey, this is these are the things that we have lived our life according to and they've served us well. And and we hope that even if you don't fully live this out in the same way, that you at least are are tempered by you know these these principles. If you had to pick, I'm not asking for an exhaustive list and put you on the spot here today, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what would be some of the ones that that just immediately jump out to you of like, hey, well, I, I wouldn't want to forget this. Um, I, I think it's
1: amazingly important for us as individuals to realize that we are subservient to a to a higher power. For me, that's that's mm-hmm. God. Um, and in doing so, lean on Him through faith and in prayer uh, for support, for strength, for needs, you know, and and for um, you know whatever's going on that that has us up at night worried about this that and the other uh, secondly live a life that not only you could be proud of but that your kids could be proud of you for mm. you know when they when they think of the life that you know I think of the life my dad lived when my kids think of the life that I lived it, it, it brings a smile to their face instead of a, a you know instead of a sigh of relief like man I'm glad he's gone Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, and, and yes, there, there are instances where that occurs, right. Where yeah. it's like, he couldn't leave soon enough. Um, I want to be missed, but I want to be missed for the way I lived my life. Not necessarily for, because I just happened to be dad. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I hope that my kids will, and they do to this day, um, will want to live an ethical life, a life that is, uh, that is upright. I and mean, Everybody has their version of what that is. But uh, a set of, uh, of ethics that says uh, that uh, do no harm, if you will, to others. Uh, instead, mm-hmm. view others as, um, as creations of God who deserve your respect, your time, and, and your assistance if they are in need. Um, that, that's, that's the main thing. You know, and, and I guess more than anything else, love your family support your family, be there for your family. Um, you know, uh, not all of us have it going great. Some of us from time to time, all of us from time to time have those down times where we need the pat on the back, the hug, the kiss, the encouragement, and just remember to, you know, be that person who's always willing to give the, the encouragement and the, the, uh, the good attitude
0: thank you for that encouragement. Um, Jim, I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. Um, in, uh, anything else that you would like to add as we, as we close at all?
1: I, mean, I I really can't think of anything other than, uh, you know, have, have a, uh, you know, have a compass, know where your North pole is, know where you know where your North heading is so that you can constantly give yourself course corrections to go back to whatever that direction that you want to take your life, Uh, whether we're talking about your work, whether we're talking about your family, whether we're talking about your faith, whichever one of those know what that north, that north point is so that anytime you get down in the the ruts where things are tough, you can course correct and get yourself back on the right path. And you don't get completely lost in uh, uh, whatever it is that happens to be holding you down at this time, or or distracting you from from what's truly important
0: thank you again jim um we wish you and your family nothing but truth beauty and goodness on the road ahead and uh, look forward to having our paths cross again
1: thank you josh i really appreciate it
0: thank you again for joining us for this week's conversation we trust that your time has left you both enriched and inspired to better invest your own intangible balance sheet as always we wish you and your family continued truth beauty and goodness on the road ahead the opinions voiced in the Wisdom and Wealth podcast with Josh Cruz are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Guests are not affiliated with Carson Wealth Management LLC. To determine what may be appropriate for you, please consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services are offered through CWM, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Our address locally is 1780 Hughes Landing Boulevard, Suite 570, The Woodlands, Texas, 77380.